Amen. All right, well, we're there in uh, Luke chapter number one, and of course, uh, during this Christmas uh, season, we've been going through a sermon series uh, entitled The Nativity, and we've been doing a study of all of the characters of the Christmas story, and if you remember, we began uh, several weeks ago, and the first week, we looked at the, uh, the character of Joseph, and we talked about Joseph as the most overlooked character of the Christmas story. The second week we saw Mary and we studied Mary and her portion in the story and we talked about Mary as the most overemphasized uh, character of the Christmas story. Third week we looked at the shepherds. We saw the delegation of the poor. Last week, if you remember, we looked at the wise men, the delegation of the rich. This morning we are going to look at one more delegation um, and it is the angels, the delegation of the heavenly. And of course, I want to encourage you to be back with us tonight at 5 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service. And tonight, we'll look at the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, the main character of the Christmas story. Uh, but this morning, we are going to look at the angels and the role that they played in the Christmas story. And honestly, out of all the characters in this study, the angels have been the ones I've been dreading the most. Uh, because when I consider, you know, Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men, I kind of had an idea of the direction that those sermons would go. But with the angels, I was a little uh, hesitant. And I thought, what can we learn from the angels in the Christmas story? And of course, I've preached about the subject of angels in the past. We've done a whole studies on the subject of angels. We want to look at the angels specifically, their role in the Christmas story. And what's interesting about the angels is that they're all over this Christmas story. Honestly, I mean, they, they come up a lot uh, several different times. Of course, we're going to look at them this morning. Uh, we see that they are messengers. The word angel actually means messenger, and they are messengers of God. They're sent to Zacharias, uh, how we read there in Luke chapter 1. They're sent to Mary. We read there as well in Luke 1. They're sent to Joseph. We read that in the Gospel of Matthew. They're sent to the shepherds. We see that in chapter 2. They, and they're even, uh, even after the birth of Christ, the angels go to Joseph when Herod wants to kill uh, the baby Jesus, uh, and the angels warn Joseph about it, and he flees into Egypt. And then the angels uh, go to Joseph and, let, and, and bring him back from Egypt once the danger has ceased. So these messengers, these angels, are interwoven uh, throughout the entire story the, the, of the Christmas uh, story, of course. And what we can learn... And what I'd like you to notice is there are some things that we can learn from their message. And of course, these angels are messengers, and they bring a certain message. And I'd like to just highlight for you this morning the message uh, of the angels in the Christmas story and some things that we can learn from the story. Now, you're there in Luke chapter 1. If you look down at verse number 8, the Bible says this, And it came to pass that while he... Now, the he there, and we just got done reading the whole passage and we like to read the entire chapter in its context, the he there is referring to Zacharias the priest. And of course, uh, if, you are, if you remember, Zacharias is the father of John the Baptist. In fact, the angel Gabriel is about to show up to Zacharias and announce the birth of John to Zacharias. He and Elizabeth give birth to John the Baptist. Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary, who of course gives birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ uh, were, were second cousins. They were related. The Bible says here, and it came to pass that while he, Zacharias, executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. And of course, we see that Zacharias was a priest, and he was 
executing the priest's office. He was doing his job. He was at work, you could say, doing his religious work in order of his course. Verse 9, according to the custom of the priest's office, his law was to burn incense. So the priest had different responsibilities that they had to care for in the temple. And oftentimes in order to be chosen to do these things that were uh, very honorable to do, uh, the Bible tells us here that they would cast lots. They were randomly chosen. And on this day, Zacharias was chosen to go into the temple and to burn incense. Look at the last part of verse 9. When he went into the temple of the Lord. So Zacharias goes in to perform this ritual, this religious uh, rite of uh, burning incense in the temple of the Lord. Verse 10 says this, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And I don't have time to go into it this morning, but this uh, burning of incense throughout the Bible is a picture of prayer. The Bible tells us that our prayers and the prayers of the people of God are like an incense that goes up to heaven uh, to the Lord, an incense uh, that, that is well-pleasing to the Lord. And here we see that as Zacharias goes into the temple to burn incense, which is a uh, symbolic of prayer, the Bible tells us there's a whole multitude of people who are praying without or outside of the temple at the time of incense. Look at verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, Oftentimes when you read the Bible, we read the Bible, and of course it's a sacred book, it's a serious book, and we should take it as such. But let's always remember that these are real human beings, and these are real stories. And oftentimes I tell, of course, our church family to put some flesh on these stories. Just consider to me this is kind of uh, humorous in a way, because here we have Zacharias who's been chosen. We don't know how many times he got to do this, but it's possible that this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of priests, and they all want to go into the temple to do certain things. And the Bible tells us that on this day, on this random day, Zacharias was chosen. They cast lots, and he was picked. He goes in to do this very serious, very sacred, very uh, holy act of burning incense, which represents prayer to God, as there's a crowd of people outside praying to the Lord while he does this, the Bible tells us in verse 11, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. To me, I just kind of envision this and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm silly, I'm not sure, but I imagine Zacharias as we usually uh, do when we come to church. You know how it is. You, you come to church and all of a sudden you walk through the doors and you become very pious. And I imagine, you know, you're screaming at your spouse the whole time you're driving to church, you're yelling at your kids, but as soon as you walk through those doors, it's like, how are you, brother? And, and I imagine that Zacharias was probably like this. He walks into the temple, and it's this very serious, sacred honor, this, this rite, this religious rite to burn the incense, and all of a sudden, an angel appears. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I just, when I imagine this, I kind of imagine Gabriel just showing up right next to Zacharias as he's praying. I mean, he's burning incense. Uh, I would imagine that maybe his head is bowed, his eyes are closed, and Gabriel shows up next to him. I don't know what he said, but I think he might have said, boo. The <laughs> Bible says in verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, what is these words? He was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not. By the way, that's what the angels always say. Fear not, Zacharias. I want you to notice these words. He says, For thy prayer is heard. Now, Zacharias is burning incense, which is a picture of prayer. 
There's people outside of the temple realizing that it is the burning of the incense, which represents prayer. And as they're representing prayer, they are outside prayer. And the Bible tells us that the angel shows up and says to Zacharias, thy prayer is heard. And when I read this, I do not believe, I, I do believe that Gabriel is speaking to the specific prayer that Zechariah was, was speaking at that moment. But as we will see here, I don't think it's only the prayer of that moment that Gabriel is referring to because of the fact that he speaks to him of some deep prayers that Zacharias and his wife has had. Because as we see in the story, uh, his wife, Elizabeth, is barren. For many years, they've been trying to have a child and they've been unable to. And here, Gabriel says to Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And I don't believe that it's only a reference to the prayer of that moment, but really probably the prayers of a lifetime. And they've been praying for a son. And Gabriel shows up and says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Look at the last part of verse 13. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And of course we know that this John will grow up to be the great John the Baptist. Look at verse 17. Just skip down to verse 17 just for sake of time. Notice what the Bible says. Notice what Gabriel says to Zacharias about John. He says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient uh, to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? Whereby means by which way or how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. They were already up in age. They've already tried to have children. They were unable to have children. And why don't you notice what the Bible says here? Because Zacharias is kind of doubting right now. The angel shows up and says, you're going to have a son. And he says, well, how's, that, how's this going to work? Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. I just want you to notice how the angels, because we're looking at the angels in the Christmas story. I want you to notice how he responds to Zacharias, verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that standeth in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee. Remember, they are messengers. And to show thee these glad tidings. And of course, we read the story. Gabriel makes him uh, mute. He's unable to speak until the birth of John as a punishment for not believing and having faith of what God was telling him. But his answer to him is, don't tell me who you are. Because Zacharias just got done saying, let me tell you who I am. I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. He says, don't tell me who you are. Let me tell you who God is. He says, I'm Gabriel that standeth in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Now, of course, what we see here is Gabriel coming to Zacharias. Zacharias and Elizabeth have spent years and decades probably praying for a son, trying to have a child, trying to have a baby. She was barren and they were unable to. And for maybe their entire adult lives, they have lived in this time of of, of limbo, waiting, hoping, silence, praying, hoping that God would answer the prayer, living in silence, not knowing if God even heard or cared of their prayers. And Gabriel is sent to tell uh, uh, Zacharias these very encouraging words, thy prayer is heard. But it's deeper than that. Though Gabriel was sent to Zacharias to tell him God has been listening. God is attentive. God knows what you're going through. It was more than just Zacharias. It was the entire nation of Israel. 
So you got to understand the context. When we come into Luke chapter number 1, we're right at the beginning of what we normally refer to as the New Testament. And when we are here at the beginning of the New Testament, we understand that there has been a period between what we refer to as the Old Testament and the New Testament. When I'm talking about the Old Testament and New Testament, I'm not talking about the covenants right now. I'm talking about the sections of your Bible that we've called Old and New Testament. Of course, in the Old Testament, you have those Old Testament stories of the children of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and David, and, and the prophets, and all of that. But when the Old Testament closes, and the New Testament opens, we're told, and we don't know for sure how much time has elapsed, but we are told that roughly 400 years have passed. 400 years of silence. They're referred to as the 400 years of silence when God did not speak to his people. And for 400 years, people like Zacharias, priest of the temple, have been going through the motions, have been performing these rituals, have been lighting incense and praying to God before 400 years. There's been silence. And then Gabriel shows up. I mean, I just think it's interesting that Gabriel shows up after 400 years of silence for the children of Israel, maybe 40 years of silence for Zacharias and Elizabeth, and the first thing he says, after he says, boo, maybe, I don't know, after he says, fear not, after he says those things, the first thing he communicates is, thy prayer is heard. And what I see this morning in this passage, what we can learn from the message of the angels is this, that the message of the angel shows us what Gabriel showed up to tell Zacharias, what Gabriel showed up to not only tell Zacharias, but to tell the entire nation of Israel was this, that God was doing something in the world. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, and I do encourage you to take notes on your back of a course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some notes. You might want to jot this down. What we learn from the angels. You say, what can we learn from the story of the angels in the Christmas story? What we can learn is this, that God is doing something in the world. Keep your place there in Luke chapter 1, if you would, and go with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter number 16. Keep your place in Luke. We're going to come to it, back to it, and go to John, just one book over. John chapter 16. The angel shows up to Zacharias and says, Thy prayer is heard. God's going to give you a son. His name's going to be John. But it, the, the son wasn't just for Zacharias. The son was not just for Elizabeth. It was for the nation of Israel. He says, your son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. He will be a voice crying in the wilderness. He will straighten the way. He will prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And really, the uh, message of the angel was this, that God was doing something in the world. And I will submit to you this morning, that the message of the angels is the same today. In the same way as God was doing something then in the world, I would submit to you that God is doing something in the world today. Amen. I know that oftentimes people are discouraged by the state that we find ourselves in. And I understand the Bible says that the world is waxing worse and worse. But do you understand this morning that God is still at work in this world today? Amen. John 16 and verse 8, I'd like you to see it. John chapter 16 and verse 8. Notice what Jesus said, John 16 and verse 8. The Bible says this, and when he, and the he here is referring to the Holy Spirit. You can read that in the context if you'd like to study that. 
when he is come, this is Jesus saying, Jesus says, I'm going to ascend one day, and when I ascend, I'm going to leave you, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when he is come, Jesus says, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9, of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. And Jesus said that when he would ascend and when he would physically leave the disciples and, 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 and the believers, that the Comforter would come, the Holy Spirit of God, and that Holy Spirit would do a work, not only in the lives of believers, we know that to be true, but even in this world, He would reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I'd like for us to remember that though things may be dark, though things may be getting worse, Though we might look around and see the state of our nation, the state of our world, the culture we live in, and see it as very dark, it probably feels very similar to the way that things felt for Zacharias. 400 years of silence. In those 400 years, the nation of Israel had been conquered by the Roman Empire. And though Zacharias was being allowed to do his priestly duties and go into the temple, the children of Israel were under bondage and under the conquest of the Roman Empire. And as he looked around, he was probably discouraged. As he looked around, it probably looked dark. He didn't have any children, and that was something that broke his heart. His wife and he wanted to have children. God, it seemed, was distant and not listening. But at that moment, God made it clear that he was doing something in the world. And I don't know what your life looks like today, and God may seem distant to you at this point. But know this, that God is doing something. God is at work. God is wor always working on the other side. Oftentimes we don't see it and we don't understand it, and it's not till it happens, it's not something that we can comprehend. But the message of the angel tells us this, that God was doing something in the world. The message from Gabriel to Zacharias was this. The time of silence is over, and God is getting ready to do something. But this is not the only time we see the angel. It's not specifically Gabriel. It's not the only time we see him. Go, look down at Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. We see him with another errand from God, another message to be given. We saw that he was sent to Zacharias to be told, uh, uh, to tell Zacharias about John and the birth of John and that God was doing something in the world. But then we see Gabriel also be sent to a young lady by the name of Mary. Look at it there, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And in the sixth month, now the sixth month there is a reference to the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Notice, not above women, among women. Verse 29, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, what angels always say, fear not. <laughs> fear not, Mary. I want you to notice what Gabriel says to Mary. Something similar but very different. To Zacharias, he says, God is getting ready to do something. 
God is going to give you a son. His name is John, and John is going to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. To Mary, Gabriel, of course, comes to tell her of the birth of Christ, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this message, the message is different in the sense that he says, Fear not, Mary, for... I want you to notice this little word. He says, For thou. Thou hast found favor with God. Thou... The modern way that we would say the word thou today is you. The, the difference between our modern way of saying it and the 1600 way of saying it is that the 1600 way of saying it is, is, is even more clear. You, in our modern vernacular, can be used singularly. You can speak to someone and say you, or you can use it plurally, and you can speak to a group and say you. In the 1611 English that our King James Bible was translated, the word thou was very singular. You didn't, you didn't say, you, you would say ye to plural, to a group. You would say thou to a person. This is very specific. For thou, Mary, hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Look at verse 32. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Notice verse number 33. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom uh, of his kingdom there shall be no end and Mary then said excuse me verse 34 then said Mary unto the angel notice she has something similar like Zacharias how shall this be seeing I know not a man she said I'm a virgin I've never been physically with a man how am I to give birth verse 35 and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. The the term handmaid means servant. She said, The servant of the Lord, be it unto, notice these words, me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now you're there in Luke. And we're going to come back to Luke, but I'd like you to go to Matthew, if you would. If you go backwards, right there in the Gospels, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you go backwards, you go past the book of Mark into the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 1. The message of the angel that we saw to Zacharias was this, that he came to Zacharias to say that God was doing something in the world. The message of the angel to Mary was a little different. Because Gabriel did not say to Mary, God is doing something in the world. God has heard thy prayers and he's doing something in the world. But the message from Gabriel to Mary was that God was doing something through the world. He came to Mary and he said, Mary, God wants to use thee. God wants to use thou. God is not just doing something in the world, but God wants to use you, Mary, in this world to do something for himself. The message of the angels of Zacharias was that God was doing something in the world. The message of the angel to Mary was that God was doing something through the world. That he wanted to use Mary. But it wasn't just Mary, of course. We know that it was also Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, are you there? Look at verse 20. Here we have the same the same uh, message being given to uh, Joseph. Notice Matthew 1.20, but while he, Joseph, 
thought on these things. And of course, Joseph has at this point heard that Mary is with child, but he knows that they have not physically been together. And of course, his mind is thinking maybe she has not been faithful. The Bible says, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, God wants to use you, Joseph. The angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appears to, to Mary and says, God wants to use you. And I would submit to you this morning. Keep your place there if you would, or keep your place in Luke and go with me if you would to the epistle of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're there in Matthew, you'll go past Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, then 1 Corinthians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. See, the message of the angel to Zacharias tells us that God was doing something in the world. And I would submit to you this morning that in the same way God is doing something in the world today, that the Holy Spirit of God is working in this world today. Though it is a wicked time, though the earth, the world is waxing worse and worse, God is still at work. God is still on His throne. I'm not discouraged. I believe that God is still doing something today. But the message of the angel to Joseph and Mary was not that God was doing something in the world, but that God was doing something through the world. And that God wanted to use Mary and Joseph in His work. And I would submit to you this morning in the same way that God is doing something in the world and God is doing something through the world and God wants to use you and I today. 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse 9. Notice what... Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. These are well-known verses, and, and you probably have heard this phrase, but this phrase is always amazing to me. The Bible says this, For we are laborers together with God. Isn't that an amazing statement? Isn't that a humbling statement? The God, the God of the universe would want to uh, co-labor and partner up with us. We are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You're there in 1 Corinthians. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, God is not only doing something in the world, but God is doing something through the world. And specifically, God is doing something through you, Mary. God wants to use thee. God wants to use thou. He said, God wants to use you. And the response from Mary is, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She said, here am I, Lord. She said, God, you want to use me? Then I want to be used by you. And I'm here to tell you this morning that in the same way God wants to use you, and God wants to use me. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says this, Now then, 2 Corinthians 5 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is a representative. We are ambassadors for Christ as though, notice these words, again, these are amazing words, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, notice these words, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You see that phrase, in Christ's stead? 
In Christ, of course, is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you just remove Christ just for a second, you'll see these, this word, instead. And the idea is this, that we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, instead of Christ, be ye reconciled to God. The idea is this, that I am an ambassador for Christ, and though Christ is now ascended, He has sent me, and He has sent you as His representatives, and we can bring the message of salvation in Christ's stead. That's how we are laborers together with God. The message of the angel tells us this, that God is doing something in the world and that God is doing something through the world and that God wants to use you. And God wants to use me. Just like he wanted to use Mary and Joseph. Obviously, God is not using you and I in the way that he was using Mary and Joseph and God may not use me in the same way that he uses you, but I know this, that God wants to use us all. He's doing a work in the world and he's doing a work through the world. And I'd like you to notice lastly this morning, go back to Luke chapter 2 if you would. Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we find maybe the most famous of the angelic appearances in the Christmas story. And it is the appearance of the angels to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, we read these words. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Imagine this. Shepherds, it's nighttime. They're, they're, they're keeping watch over the, the flock. It, they're, they're probably laying down resting. Maybe they're sleeping. Maybe they're around a fire having dinner or getting ready to go to bed. And the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them what angels always say, Fear not. For behold, I bring you, notice what he says, for behold, I bring you good tidings. The word, the phrase good tidings means good news. It's the same idea where we get the word gospel from. It means good news, good tidings. Here, the angel appears to these shepherds and he says, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to, notice these words, all people. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. We'll talk about this tonight in our Christmas Eve service, the symbolisms of the birth of Christ, the sign. You shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. Notice verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel, there's one angel that shows up, one angel that came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, one angel that said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But then, in verse 13, the Bible says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, a whole choir of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good will towards men. I'd like you to go to the book of 1 Peter towards the end of the, Old, of the New Testament. If you start at the end of the book of Revelation and you go backwards, you go past the book of Jude, past the books of 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, then you'll find the book of 2nd Peter and 1st Peter. 1st Peter chapter 1, Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd Peter, 1st Peter. 1st Peter chapter 1. 
the angel Lord appears to these shepherds lying in a field, keeping watch over the flock by night. The Bible tells us that the angel Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then suddenly there was an angel, uh, with the angel there was a multitude of heavenly hosts, and they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I'd like you to notice that when Gabriel shows up to Zacharias, after 400 years of silence, after many decades of silence specifically to Zacharias and Elizabeth, Gabriel shows up and he says, thy prayer is heard. He said, the time of silence is over, Zacharias, and I want you to know that God is doing something in the world. That you're going to have a son, his name's going to be John, he's going to be a great prophet, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, he's going to bring many people unto the Lord, he's going to be used of God, he's going to go in the spirit and power of Elias, and he's going to make ready the way, he will go before the Lord and prepare the way for the Lord uh, to come. He will be the one that announces Jesus when, when Jesus presents himself in his public ministry, John stands up and says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. The message of the angels to Zacharias was that God was doing something in the world. The message of the angel to Mary and to Joseph was that God was doing something through the world. That God wanted to use Mary and God wanted to use Joseph in his work on this earth. And what we can learn from that today is that God is doing something today in this world and that God wants to use us in his work, co-labors with God. But I submit to you this morning, maybe the most important message of the angels was to the shepherds. When they did not only say that God was doing something in the world. When they did not only say that God was doing something through the world. When they announced that God was doing something to all people, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the message of the angels to the shepherds was not only that God was doing something in the world, was not only that God was doing something through the world, but that God was doing something for the world. Amen. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He says, God's not only doing something in the world and through the world. He's doing something for the world. I would hate for you to come to a Christmas service here at Verity Baptist Church and miss the entire point of Christmas. We like gifts, but Christmas is not about gifts. We like the Christmas songs, but Christmas is not about songs. I like everything. That Christmas is my favorite holiday. I, I like everything about Christmas and, 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 and praise the Lord for it. But let's not forget that the purpose of Christmas, the reason that we celebrate the birth of Christ, the reason that God was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the reason that there is a Christmas is because Jesus, as we sang this morning, was born to die upon Calvary. Jesus suffered my sins to forgive. Born to die upon Calvary, he was wounded that I might live. Amen. Don't miss the purpose of Christmas. The purpose of Christmas is salvation. A Savior is born. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Salvation is not, I go to church, I live a good life, I get baptized, I do good things, and maybe I'll be good enough to go to heaven. That's what most religions teach today. But salvation is actually this. Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, had no sin, and then he died on the cross not to pay for his own sins because he had no sin. He died to pay for my sins. There's no amount of church attendance, no amount of Bible reading, no amount of prayer, no amount of baptism, no amount of repenting of my sins, no amount of anything that I could do to save myself. I was a sinner on my way to hell, but God did something for the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him, not goes to church, whosoever believeth in Him, not turns over a new leaf, Whosoever believeth in him, not tries to live a good life. Look, I'm not against trying to live a good life. You ought to try to live a good life. You ought to go to church. You ought to get baptized. But salvation is this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation is us believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, putting our faith and confidence in him, trusting upon him for salvation, calling upon him for salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The message of the angels was that God was doing something for the world. And I would submit to you this morning that that is the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas. Why celebrate Christmas? Why the shepherds and the wise men? Why all these stories and these things? What's the purpose of Christmas? That God was doing something for you and for me. What's interesting to me is the messengers that brought this story because the angels did not need salvation. In fact, the Bible tells us that they're curious about salvation. The Bible tells us they wonder of salvation. Like you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll finish here this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says this, Whom having not seen, ye love. I hope that's true of you this morning. Of course, this is talking about Jesus, whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What is the end of your faith? It is the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the, pe- the prophets... Notice these words, verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. In the Old Testament, they saw through a glass darkly, we could say. In the Old Testament, they had these prophecies of the coming Messiah. They had these prophecies of a virgin shall be with child. They had these prophecies that one day Jesus would come and Elias would come before him and prepare the way. They had these prophecies, but they did not understand it all. They did not see the picture completely, which is why Peter says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Notice verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed uh, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you. Listen to me. In the Old Testament, the prophets inquired and searched diligently. But now, today, it is revealed. It's revealed unto us. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You notice in the Christmas story the emphasis that is put on that beautiful name, Jesus. 
unto whom it was revealed, not unto them, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you. By them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. I just want you to notice this little phrase. Which things the angels desire to look into. The Bible tells us that the angels were curious about this. What is this? They were the messengers. They were the ones that came and brought the story. They were the ones that came to Zacharias and said, hey, the time of silence is over. God is doing something in the world. They're the ones that came to Mary and Joseph and said, the time of silence is over. God is doing something through the world. They were the ones that came to the shepherds in the middle of the night and said, hey, the time of silence is over. God is doing something for the world. And the Bible tells us that the angels desire to look into these things. You know what the angels think? They think this. I can't believe anyone would not believe on Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us that when somebody gets saved, there's a party in heaven that the angels put on. In this Christmas season, you say, well, I'm in church on Christmas, so I'm already religious. But what are you trusting in for your salvation? It can't be Jesus plus whatever. Fill in the blank. Look, it's, it's all Jesus or, or all you. That's the way it works. And you either have to come to the place where you say, I'm nothing, I'm a sinner, I can't save myself. Salvation is a free gift that He paid for on the cross. Or you try to get yourself into heaven. Good luck with that. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Tomorrow we celebrate Christmas. And I hope, I hope that you will not spend the day simply opening gifts. I hope you get gifts. And I hope you get some nice gifts and all of that. I hope you enjoy yourself. But you know what would be a tragedy? For you to open gifts with electronics, gifts, with tools, gifts, with things that were delivered to your house, not by reindeer, but Amazon. <laughs> And miss the greatest gift, Amen. the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because the message of the angels was that God is doing something in the world and through the world. But the truth is this, that I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The greatest message of the angels was that God was doing something for the world. I hope you won't miss it. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We do thank you for this Christmas season, this Christmas time to think about and ponder these things. Lord, I pray you'd help us not to miss Christ in the Christmas story. Lord, I pray that as we celebrate all these different gifts that will come from friends and family and loved ones, that we would not miss Jesus in the midst of it. Help us to be aware of the message of the angels. Help us to be thankful that God was doing something in the world, through the world, and most importantly, for the world. For God so loved the world. In the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Matt come up and lead us in a final song as we prepare for baptism. We have a baptism this morning, and we'll go ahead and get ready for that as we...